can continue with our Advent series. Steve started the series last week for Advent with the long wait for the coming Messiah. Hope was the main theme. And we have that hope in Jesus. Hope comes hand in hand with faith. Christ in us, the hope of glory, is what the New Testament says. Christ in us, the hope of things to come. Well, this morning we're going to continue that series by looking at peace, especially through Mary. Christmas time is a time when we talk about peace coming down to earth. In Isaiah 9, 6, Jesus was prophesied 600 years before he arrived. And we know the verses popular at this time of year. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will rest on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. If you don't know God this morning and you want to know what his character's like, go and take a look at that verse because so much of his character is summed up in those verses. But for some, Christmas isn't always a time of peace. I want us this morning to take a quick look at Mary. Her visit from the angel Gabriel, that song said it all. But I'm going to say it again with the hope that we might hear it. And how she responded to the news that she received. So, what's the worst thing anyone could tell you this morning? When I was preparing this, it was with nobody in particular in mind. So please don't sit there and think I'm having a go, (laughs) okay? But as I've spoken with friends and I've just had conversations with people, so many of these things have come up in recent weeks. Would it be that you had a terminal illness? Or that you've lost your job? Or that there's no heartbeat in an expected pregnancy? Or that your identity has been stolen and you have lost everything. Or this is the end of your marriage. Today we're looking at a part of the Christmas story where Mary hears the worst possible thing. And then the doom and gloom will be gone and we'll be looking at how she responds to it. So don't sit there too depressed yet. The birth of Jesus was foretold in Luke chapter 1, verses 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favoured woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great, and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor of David. He will reign over Israel forever, and his kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy. 
and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her her old age. People used to say that she was barren, but she conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said to me come about to be true. And the angel left her. You're going to have to take my word for it. (laughs) The worst thing that the angel could have said to Mary was that as a young, engaged teenager, she was pregnant. This would mean instant rejection from her family, expulsion from a close-knit community. Everybody would have known her and her family. It would have resulted in a broken engagement and the probability of no other marriage taking place. She would become a social reject of the worst kind. Joseph, as her fiancé, would have had the right to have her stoned to death for being unfaithful. But God intervened again through Gabriel to make sure that he fully understood what was going on. If we designed these events, pomp and circumstance would probably have attended the announcement of the birth. Balloons, party poppers, cards of congratulations, and knowing John and Roz, bunches of flowers. But God used an average young woman, a humble peasant girl, to announce his intentions in quiet obscurity. The fulfillment of God's promise came to earth in an ordinary way, without ceremony, far away from any known place. The promised one entered the world as he still works today. The level of everyday experience with everyday people. God didn't intend for this to be bad news. But as we know, quite the opposite. The good news of the gospel. Sometimes good people find themselves in difficult situations. And this is the way of the world, unfortunately. I'm sure in Genesis, Joseph didn't expect to get thrown into prison for something he hadn't done. Mary had lived her life in faithfulness to God, and yet she was told something of the worst kind quite unexpectedly. It took divine intervention, more visits from Gabriel to Joseph and to the wise men in their dreams to ensure that her life and the life of her son were preserved. So... Why did God choose Mary? Why was she so special? God's announcement came to a betrothed virgin, Mary. Now you can understand why I've sent the kids out. I wasn't comfortable talking about this in front of my own son at eight, so I thought they can go and do something there. You can explain it. (laughs) Betrothal in the ancient world was part of a two-stage marriage process. The initial phase, the betrothal, was formal, witnessed agreement where the bridal price was given. At this point, the bride legally became the groom's and she could be called his wife. But it wasn't until about a year later that the actual ceremony took place and he took her home. So they had like a year of practice in their relationship without the physical side. 
just getting to know one another. And it was during this that Mary had the visit from the angel Gabriel. Now, this betrothal could happen for a, a Jewish woman any time from the age of 12. We don't know how old Mary was, but we certainly think she was in her teens. And so quite a young woman taking on quite epic news. The portrait that Luke paints of Mary is quite significant. She's a model believer taking God at his word. Unlike Zechariah, Elizabeth's husband, who'd questioned God every step of the way. But she was favored by God. She was thoughtful. She was obedient. She was believing. She was worshipful. And she was a faithful follower of God. And that list is just there. Okay? I should point out, however, that despite all these qualities, God's choice of Mary to bear this child springs from his grace. Not from anything that was inherent to her. Her description of one who was favored by God makes it clear that God acted on her behalf, not because of her. In fact, Mary's totally perplexed by this sudden announcement. Can you imagine just standing doing your dishes and you turn around to pick up the plates behind you and there is the angel waiting to speak to you. Yeah, I love that response, that reaction of, yeah, okay. But she had a peace about that visit because she knew it was from God. God simply stepped into her life and brought her into his service. She didn't look for part of this story God chose her and stepped to her. Her asset is that she is faithful. She should be honored for a model of her faithfulness and openness to serve God. But it doesn't mean that she's to be worshipped. Luke wants us to identify with Mary's example, but not to exalt her in person. This list of characteristics give me hope because we can possess these. And if this is what God is looking for in someone that he can use to bring about plans on earth, then he can use us too. Mary has difficulty comprehending the announcement and she asks, how will this be? She knows she can't have yet conceived a child because she's a virgin. And anything that would have suggested anything different would be a real slur on her character. But the answer comes in terms of God's power. Last week, we saw the connection between faith and hope. And Mary's faith is put on the line right from the start. Would she believe that God had the capacity to create a human being within her? God is really gracious because he doesn't leave her on his own at this point. He's given her cousin Elizabeth to walk this journey with her. And just as John's birth points forward to Jesus' birth, his ministry also points forward to Jesus' ministry later on in the gospel. You and I are no different from Mary at this point. I've just read what I've written and I'm thinking maybe I should change it. There's nothing special about her, signifying there's nothing special about us. But we're all special in God's eyes. That's not what I'm saying. But there's nothing different about her. It was what God did through her that was special. When God uses us to pray for somebody to be healed, 
He's using the ordinary to bring about the extraordinary. When we pray for somebody to become a Christian or to be baptized in the Spirit, he's taking the natural to become supernatural. Saying this, I know that if God was to tell me I was to have the main prize, to give birth and bring up God's son, I don't think my response would have been as calm as Mary's. So what was her response? Once Gabriel had explained to her how it would happen, through the intervention and power of the Holy Spirit, then her response was simply one of acceptance and worship. Over the past few weeks, we've been looking at Acts. One of the things that's really struck me is that the early move of the church, which resulted in the known world being changed forever, started with a move of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And again, here in this story, we see the world as we know it being changed by a move of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that caused Mary to conceive, that gave birth to the church in Acts 2, is the same spirit that lives in us. It's the same spirit that is here on a Sunday, that we have living and working in our lives. Mary had a peace to accept what God was telling her, even though her world was about to be turned completely on its head. At this moment in time, she doesn't know the ins and outs of how God's plan will work out or how Joseph will respond. She didn't have it worked out with endless spreadsheets. She didn't have every I dotted or T crossed. She knew the end result and not a lot else. But she trusted God enough to know that he would work it out. He would work out the final details, far better than she ever could. And she trusted in him without it causing her a problem. The angel states the basic premise of nothing is impossible with God. Mary simply accepts in humble accept with responds in a humble acceptance. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Then she turns to worship. Luke 1, 46-55 is Mary's response. It says, How my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on all generations will be called blessed, will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He's helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he has made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his children forever. Mary's response to the news that angel Gabriel gave her is worship. The song that we've just read is a song that was her heart response. It was her worship. Mary, having been told that she'd give birth to Emmanuel, God with us here on earth, doesn't sing about a baby she, in fact, sings a song about God and his greatness. She recognizes that the news that God had given her isn't just going to impact her life, but will impact the people throughout the world. Mary's song echoes Hannah's song from the Old Testament of promise and hope. And she sees it as God's saving purposes, bringing peace and glory to the whole world. 
She had a piece about the news accepting that if God had said it, it would be okay. But this news had consequences too. That this baby, God's own son, would bring peace that far outweighs anything that had been known up until that point in history. In telling Mary about Jesus and who he was, God was revealing his plan for salvation. His love for his people. Us. This is what Mary's singing about as she understood this revelation. In verses 54 and 55, Mary's telling us that in the coming of Jesus, God had a plan of salvation right from the very beginning. And Mary recognized that God had told her of his fulfillment to that plan. No wonder she could have peace. Mary realized and she knew that this was God bring about his reconciliation to all mankind. The Christmas message is a message of proclaiming incredible hope that banishes despair. It's, one about making the, it's not one about making the world a little bit better or a little bit more peaceful, a little bit more loving. Reminds me of an old Eurovision song. <laughs> but it's an eternal world that's proclaimed to men and women in person through Jesus Christ. A world where everything will be transformed. Our school nativity play, I'm a primary school teacher and I love this year where the year twos get all dressed up as angels and shepherds in their dressing gowns. And the punchline this year for the audience was this. Make Jesus the superstar of your Christmas this year. He needs to be the centre of all that you do this Christmas time. What a fantastic message to leave the parents with. I'd add that he should be the centre of your world all year. Have you asked Jesus to be the center of your life? Is he the center of your family, of your work schedule, of your marriage? I'm challenging myself with this as I speak it, but let's finish our year by asking Jesus to be the center of our life, and the life that we have will have the center of it, the Prince of Peace. Things may not go to plan, as a 15 opticians appointment yesterday with Nathan turned into a seven-hour marathon to A&E again, still with the ongoing problems of his banged head. But in the midst of it all, we had an incredible peace that God was with us, Emmanuel, peace here on earth. This peace is available to each one of us this morning. Whether we have an ongoing relationship with God or whether it's something new for us today, invite Jesus to be at the centre. Just yesterday we had breakfast with some friends that we're just getting to know and as we were sharing life stories, I realised that a lot of the stories I was sharing start with some kind of disaster. I found myself saying that life isn't one long disaster or hard time for us but it's an opportunity for God's power and his peace to be shown. There's another time for his peace to come to my life for him to change me. And although some things we have to go through because we're human, as God reigns a sovereign God in our life, his peace comes to us on earth right where we are. How amazing is that? Our personal world can be transformed by the message of Christmas when Jesus comes as our saviour. 
Like Mary, we can find the unspeakable joy and peace indescribable. We can sing with her, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Mary took God. Mary's story is one where God took a humble peasant girl and blessed her. Not because she was special, because of what God did through her. So, does Christmas bring peace to you? Or is it frantic preparations of buying the last minute bargains and stocking fillers? Is it making sure that everything is perfect? Growing up, my parents um, divorced and I spent most of my Christmases between my parents and my grandparents. They were happy enough and I lacked no material thing. However, it didn't meet my expectation of what I thought Christmas should be because it wasn't like it was in the films. Sitting around the fire, drinking eggnog, whatever that is, building snowmen with the perfect tree and the perfect wrap presents with the big bows and an open log fire. Well, my Christmases didn't match this and I vowed to no one other than to myself that things would be different when I grew up. So when Bolton and I got married and we had Nathan, I tried so hard to make this happen. But it took me a long time to realize that Baldwin's experiences and expectations of Christmas were different to mine. For him, it was not about presents. There were very few presents brought or exchanged. It happens at midnight on Christmas Eve. No. There was no log fire. For those of you that don't know, he's from the Philippines. So there were no log fires and certainly no snowball fights. For him, it was about family together. Time spent together. And our early Christmases were again a disappointment for me because they didn't match the idea that I had. But I've come to realize that so much pressure is what we put on ourselves to make it perfect. But this isn't what God wants in the preparation for the arrival of his son. Mary didn't respond to the news by rushing down to mother care to buy the latest buggy and changing mats and endless amounts of muslins and vests and baby grows. My thoughts when I heard about both of my pregnancies were similar but for different reasons. Oh my, what am I going to do now? But Mary knew exactly what she was going to do. She was going to trust God. And God would work it out. When she'd finished worshipping, she went and spent time with Elizabeth. Family was important for her to share the news. So first, we can know peace despite our circumstances or bad news. When we look to him, the author and perfecter of our faith. We can know complete and true peace when he is the anchor in life's storms. Secondly, we don't need to have to strive for perfection when we receive God's perfect gift in Jesus. And finally, if you've never known God's peace in your life, you can today. All you have to do is ask for the first time or just come back to him. Christmas isn't about getting it perfect. It's not about giving the best gift ever, but if you want to try, I'm always willing to receive.
It's about God's perfect gift for us. It's about receiving the best from God. And in return, we give our heart in worship and respond in faith to whatever challenges and adventures the next chapter of life takes you on. In the meantime, enjoy the time that you have with whoever you spend the day with, remembering his gift to you. That perfect peace that transcends all understanding. This Christmas, take away that whatever life throws at you, whatever tangles life has, whatever traditions we throw into the cooking pot, Mary understood God's peace because she looked to him and she worshipped him. And we can know and have that peace as well this Christmas.